Okay, praises be to our Father that we are able to gather once again to study his words and his commandments. If you still remember, last week we talked about the signs of the end times, which is taught by our King Yahusha in Matthew chapter 24. Of course, there are other um, complementary uh, teachings of our King Yahusha, which is found in the other Gospels that parallel what Yahusha taught in Matthew uh, 24. So tonight uh, we're going to talk about which is contained in Matthew 24, what is considered the most repeated warning for the end times. Because if it's most repeated, it must be important. If it's important, we need to heed the message of our King Yahushua. So according to our King Yahushua, what is the sign that is to come? Because this was, after all, uh, one of the questions asked by his disciples in Matthew 24, verse 3. Now, as he sat upon, uh, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. So his disciples approached Yahusha privately and they basically asked him three questions. What are the signs for when will these things be, which is the destruction of the temple? What will be the sign of Yahusha's coming and what, what is the sign of the end of the age? And so Yahusha gives the following answer which we discussed last week. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. So we uh, talked about these signs in great detail in our previous episode of the BQA. If you want to know more about that, you can always go to assemblyofyahusha.org. The website will provide you the link so that you can watch either on YouTube or you can perhaps uh, download. Do we provide download for these? Uh, we don't, huh? but you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, this is the episode previous to this. We talked in detail about the wars and rumors of wars pestilence, famines, and earthquakes in various places. However, if you notice, before Yahushua gave verses 6 down to 8, he first gave verse 4 as the first sign. What was that? Let's go back to Matthew 23, uh, 24, 3 down to 4. Now, as he said, on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Notice before verses 6 to 8, verse 4 comes first, and he says, And Yahusha answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. And so the first sign that Yahusha gives us, which when this is being fulfilled, signals to us that we are near the end of the age, is deception. Yahusha says, Take heed that no one deceives you. This was the first sign that he gave, Matthew 24, 4. And it was given and repeated throughout Matthew 24. For example, in verse 5, he says, Many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And then in verse 11, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And then in uh, 23 to 25, and if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. 
see, I have warned you about this ahead of time. And so if there is a most repeated warning concerning the end times, what would it be? It is deception. Why must we heed the warning of Yahusha about deception? Because Yahusha told us beforehand how many are going to be deceived. Bible says many are going to be deceived. And Yahusha even says that the work of deception is going to progressively become worse and worse to the point, if it's possible, to deceive even the chosen ones of Yahuwah. This is why even the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle John, all the other apostles, they all preached about deception in the end times. Why are we not surprised that when the end is near, there's going to be deception throughout the world? Revelation 12, 9 and 12, so the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Why can we expect that as we get closer and closer to the end, we can expect more and more, quote unquote, religious deception because the devil doesn't want any of Yahuwah's people to be saved. As a matter of fact, he doesn't want any to be saved. And so when he knows his time is getting shorter and shorter, what does he strive to do? He will deceive the whole world. And one thing we know about the devil, he's pretty clever. He's not S-T-U-P-I-D, right? He's not a, he's not lacking in understanding. He has pretty good insight because he's smarter than the average human being. As a matter of fact, he's smarter than the most intelligent human being because he's not a human being. He's an angelic being. Not only was he an angelic being, he was one of the main angels before he fell, right? This is why we should not underestimate the capability and the cunning ability of the devil or Satan in deceiving the whole world. And he will do so with great wrath because he knows he only has a little time left. And who will he use as instruments? In Matthew 24, 23 to 25, Yahushua says, uh, from false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen one. So he will use even great signs and wonders. This is why, brothers and sisters, we must not rely on miracles and wonders, for example, achievements that are not ach uh, commonly achieved by the, uh, uh, an average human being. When we think of supernatural healing, for example, when we see signs, maybe a statue weeping blood, because there are many popular shows today and what we want to showcase are abilities of certain individuals called mediums who are able to tap into the so-called spiritual world, occultism, 
And so they dabble into this work of speaking to dead people and letting you know that, oh, by the way, this dead person has a message for you. And then when they give that message, the person who's at the receiving end, they're surprised, they're shocked, and they begin to weep. Mabiyaya, right? Their sessions is really uh, emotion-filled. And so they're moved to believe that these people are doing the work of some kind of supernatural force. And so they're ending up replacing Yahuwah God. They're ending up replacing Yahusha. You notice even nowadays, more and more people are making the claim that they have been visited by aliens, abducted by aliens, and they were shown uh, many great ideas, many uh, pieces of information that no one else can know. And so all of this, its purpose is for people uh, to begin to replace Yahusha with something else. You see, that's what the devil wants. He wants us to replace Yahusha. He doesn't want us to go to him because he is the source of salvation. And so he will do everything in his power. He will use great signs and wonders to prevent people from going to who? Yahusha. You know, the devil doesn't really care if you go to a religious group. He doesn't care if you go to church. But he does care if you go to Yahusha. You know, there's a big difference there. There are many people who assemble in religious groups and they sing hymns. They give great amounts of offering, but they have not reached the point where they actually belong to Yahusha. And so the devil will do his best to prevent you from making Yahusha your the only source of salvation. Yahusha must be the one who is to be preached. And so because of these great signs and wonders, many are going to be deceived. This is why the most repeated warning of Yahusha is what? Deception. You know why? Because there's something we can do about that. There's nothing you can really do about earthquakes. What can you do about earthquakes? Nothing really. Wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, right? What are you going to do? But when it comes to deception, there's something we can do to protect ourselves from deception. So what do we do? The book of 1 John, chapter 4, the verses 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. To see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So what does the Bible tell us? The Bible says to test every spirit. Why? Because there are many false prophets. So we need to test every uh, piece of information that we receive, whether from the internet, from the pulpit. As a matter of fact, as I proclaim the word of God to you, you have to test you have the responsibility to test everything I say. Don't just accept it. You have to test it. This is why we recommend and encourage all of you to take notes and test everything that we present in the assembly of Yahusha. Test everything you receive uh, from the internet because this is what the apostle John tells us to do. Test the spirits. And how do we test the spirit? What is one way? Let's read two down to three. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Yahusha Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Yahusha is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So how can we test the spirits? First, Let's ask ourselves this piece of doctrine, this person speaking to me right now, 
What does he teach about Yahusha? Does he teach that Yahusha is from God? Because if this person is teaching something, but he or she doesn't believe in Yahusha, well, then they fail the test, right? They fail the test, have nothing to do with that. They have to first, uh, first of all, believe and acknowledge Yahusha. Well, okay, they might say, well, they believe in Yahusha. Well, what do they believe about Yahusha? Because there's so many uh, different teaching nowadays about who Yahusha is. There are people who teach he's the second person of the Trinity. There are those who teach he's both God and man. There are those who teach that he was never a body or he had never came in the flesh in the first place. The Gnostic version of Yahusha. And so we need to test uh, the person preaching, the message being received, and ask ourselves, does it match what the Bible teaches about Yahusha? That's one way, an important way that we must do to, to test the spirits. What else? Verse 6, we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. How else can we test the spirit? Bible says we have to listen to, Bible mentions here us. Now when it says us, who is Apostle John pertaining to? The apostles. Why the apostles? Because they were eyewitnesses of Yahusha. This is why they were called upon by Yahuwah and by Yahusha to record in scripture what they personally witnessed. So we compare the teachings we receive today with what the apostles taught. Because if there's a discrepancy between what the apostles taught about Yahusha and what people today are teaching about Yahusha, then we have to reject that spirit because that's not the spirit of truth. That's the spirit of Falsehood. So we must be in fellowship with the teachings of the apostles because they rightly taught about who Yahusha is and what then must we do so that we will always be able to successfully test the spirit. The Bible says we should ask Yahuwah to receive the spirit of truth, not the spirit of falsehood. Why is that important? The book of 2 Thessalonians uh, 2, 9 to 12, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth as to be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. The Bible says that the coming of the lawless one is going to be the Antichrist who is going to come. He's not yet here, but we know when he comes, he'll be backed up by the power of Satan. And so what will he be able to do? Miracles, signs, and wonders. But what is wrong about those signs and wonders? It is counterfeit. It comes along with a message that takes you away from the Mashiach. And so if there's any message, any doctrine, any teaching that takes you away from Mashiach, from Yahusha as the Mashiach, then that is not the work of Yahuwah. That's whose work? That's the work of Satan. 
But what is the danger when it comes to uh, many false preachers today? Well, a lot of a lot of times they'll be used by Satan, the enemy, and they will come across as people who seem to be preaching the truth. This is why the Bible calls Satan the chief counterfeit. He likes to counterfeit everything. And so what he likes to do is he will take scripture, but he will twist it. He will twist scripture so that even though a person is preaching from the Bible, what they end up teaching is counterfeit truth. Not the truth, but something that is close to the truth. And so what must we do so that we will not be deceived? Aha. Uh -huh. You notice what Apostle Paul said, who will not be deceived, who will never be deceived. The Bible says they are the ones who love what? The truth. Brethren, do you love the truth? I mean, how can you know if you love the truth? How would you know if you love the truth? If a person who receives some information but does not look deeply into it, does that person love the truth? person who readily accepts any piece of message or teaching out there, does that person love the truth? What does a person who loves the truth do? What do they do? They actually study the word of God, right? They actually are like the Bereans who read daily what the scriptures actually say. And this is why we want you, uh, brothers and sisters, to really do your own homework, to really do your own studies and look into the scriptures so that you, by loving the truth, you will not be deceived by, by what is close to the truth. Because what is most deceptive is when some false teaching is close to the truth. And so if you know the truth, then you will not be deceived by deceptive teaching. This is why we, we need to know and love the truth. Well, how can we know what the truth is? John 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. What is the truth? The word of God. Where can we find the word of God? Second Timothy 3, 15, 17. And that from childhood, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ, Yahusha. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What is the source of the teaching that we must study so that we will not be deceived by the spirit of error? It must be the scriptures. The scriptures is inspired by who? Yahuwah. This is why if we rely on that document or that book, or that teaching that is inspired by Yahuwah, then we will have the inspiration to identify true doctrine, to receive reproof and correction, so that we can become complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And what is the fruit of studying scripture? It gives us wisdom so that we can have faith in who? Yahushua. You see, the basis of our faith is scripture. The focus of our faith is who? Yahusha. So studying scripture should lead us to who? Yahusha and him alone. Not with any of uh, um, man, human teachers here on earth, but to Yahusha, our King and Mashiach. So the word of God is what we will use to test for deception. This is why in our future work, 
in the next series of episodes for the BQA, we're gonna have a new series called Testing for Deceptions. Okay, we're gonna test for deceptions and we're gonna, because there's a lot of deceptions out there. For example, there's a deception concerning our origin. I mean, what do many people believe today? Many people believe that we were created by evolution, right? Many people today believe uh, in what is being taught in the classrooms, that there's no creator, that we are the products of random forces and there's only evolution in science. And so that's one kind of deception and delusion. We have to test for that. What else? The scripture canon, when the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, gave its rich uh, fruit because many documents were found there, all of a sudden you have this plethora of new so-called um, sources of wisdom and many so-called lost books of the Bible. There's Jubilees, there's Enoch, there's Jasher, there's so many others. Are they really scriptures? Because if they are scriptures, then that's that we need to really look into that, right? But if they're not, then we have to be careful about it, right? And so we have to test for other so-called scriptures to see whether or not they're actually scriptures. There are those, we have to test for the calendar because there are many people who use different calendars. There are those who use the Zadok calendar, the Enoch calendar, there's the um, uh, Hillel calendar. I mean, what calendar are we going to use? we got to test for that. And also other doctrines, because even if you stick to just the 66 books, there are people who take what is recorded in scripture out of context and create doctrine that suits their agenda. And so we need to test for that as well. And so it is the duty of everyone to search scripture for the purpose of testing for deception. So there are, there are deceptions about origins. There are deceptions about the scripture canon. There are deceptions about the calendar. There are deceptions about doctrine, right? But what do you think is the most impactful deception in the last days? We know it's the most repeated warning. You do not be deceived. But what do you think is the most impactful deception in the last days? What do you think the devil is going to do? What would be his chief work so that people would not be saved. Well, let's look at Matthew 24 again. This time we'll look at the chiastic structure of Matthew 24. Perhaps it can give some light into, uh, the into what we need to be really aware of when it comes to deception. In, if you look at Matthew 24 and you look at its contents, um, you can find a chiastic structure. For example, if you take the first part and the last part, it kind of relates in this way. The disciples ask a question, when will all these things be? The destruction of the temple. And 36 to 52 is Yahushua's answer. When these things will be, no one knows. Therefore, be ready. And then he goes on to give the explanation 36 to 52. Okay, that's the first part. And then there's the uh, part B. The disciples question, what will be the sign of your coming? And then 15 to 33, Yahushua's answer, the sign of the coming of the Son of Man. And he gives the, uh, the signs of the, son, the coming of the, the Son of Man. There's a difference between the coming of the Son of Man and the end of the age. So I want to make that clear. Um, next, we have the disciples' question, what will be the sign of the end of the age? Which is answered the sign of the end of the age in 6 to 14. And so you see the structure, how it kind of mirrors each other, right? And so 24, 3, the question is asked. 26, uh, 6 to 14, it is answered. D, Yahusha answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. 
and then in 24, uh, 5b, and will deceive many. So that's the structure. And the purpose of the chiastic structure really is to identify the center point, because that's the turning point, right? And so when it comes to deception, yeah, we need to heed deceptions, but what should, what, what is the most, if we can call it that, the most impactful deception of all? Well, it says here, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. There are many deceptions, but the most impactful deception is the deception that will cause you to place your faith and trust in a false Christ. You get it? Because Yahushua, I mean, the devil does not want you to place your trust in Yahushua. He wants you to place your trust in someone else other than Yahushua. There are many deceptions, but the most impactful uh, deception is a deception that will cause you your salvation. He doesn't want you to go to the true Yahushua, to the true Mashiach, right? This is why we need to really look at this passage and we need to ask ourselves, do I really trust in the true Mashiach? Do I really trust in Yahushua? Am I really, do I really belong to my king, Yahushua, the Christ? Because Yahushua says, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Is that true? Are there many who come in his name and call themselves messiahs? Oh, yeah. There are so many. I mean, take a look at this person here. He's a self-appointed leader of the church of the last testament. His name is Visar. Visarion. Uh, he even kind of dresses like supposedly the Christ. He got the beard, right? He got the long hair. What do you think? You think he's a true Mashiach? You might be laughing, but he has followers. <laughs> That's the scary thing, right? Despite the fact you look at this person, you're going to say, no way anyone's going to believe him. You know what? A lot of people believe him. <laughs> Right? He's not the only one. There's another one. Inri Cristo of Brazil. He has surprisingly many followers throughout the world. There's another one. David Shaler of England declared himself the Messiah back in 2007. Does he look like a Messiah? <laughs> well, here's one. Another one. Uh, Oscar Ortega Hernandez declared himself a Messiah and because he believes in the Messiah, he, he tried to kill President Obama because he believed Obama was the Antichrist. So he tried to kill Obama, right? There's another one. You notice they come from all over the world. They're from all over the world. Here's Matayoshi Mitsuo of Tokyo. And he's a politician. And he has run, uh, he run, he has run in many Japanese elections as the second coming of Jesus. That's what he said. He's the second coming of Jesus Christ. Here's another one from Zambia. Bupete, Chibu, Chisimba, claimed to be Jesus. Not only that, now he even claims to be higher than Christ in heaven, right? And so they all come in the name of, quote unquote, Jesus. Here's another one, Alan John Miller of Australia. I think in one of our episodes, we showed a, a brief clip of this person and how he's able to influence so many people, convincing people to believe that he claims to be the reincarnation of uh, Jesus. Believe it or not, they have many followers. But you would be surprised because of what I'm going to show you next. 
here's another person. No, I'm not talking about the one on the white or in the white. That's the president of the Philippines, but the one he's speaking to, his name is Apollo Kibaloy, right? And he founded the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the name above every name. And he led the church, which was based in the Philippines in the city of Davao. He has, he has a following of 6 million. He is the, his church is the most powerful, most influential, uh, most charismatic, um, wealthiest church in the Philippines. Can you imagine 6 million, 4 million reside in the country while the rest live in countries across the world? And he has his own Airbus. You believe that? This guy has his own Airbus. I mean, who else has an Airbus? Kibaloy claims that he is the appointed son of God, right? And has been trusted with protecting the savior of the Gentiles, or simply put, the non-Jewish people. He also has claimed that he has been living without sin since 2005. My goodness. You know what's really, really frightening about this? Six million people believe him. <laughs> Six million. He comes along and says, I am the appointed son. And he even claims he has the power to stop an earthquake. Can you imagine? The power of deception, right? And so when we look at these examples, we ask ourselves, hmm, I'll never be deceived by any of these people that you just present. No, not me. Well, the devil knows that. But you know, the devil's clever, right? The devil's clever. He's cunning. And so when Yahushua says in Matthew 24, 5, and many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ and will deceive many, this has different levels of implication. What do you mean? Well, when it says many will come in my name, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to use the actual name of Christ and say, I am the Christ. I am Jesus. They're not going to do that because there are many people like you and I who's never going to believe. No, you're not Jesus. You're not Christ. But be careful because the devil is very subtle. He's clever. I mean, he has been deceiving many people since the days of Adam and Eve. Right? He has mastered the craft of deception. He knows how you and I think. And so do not ever say, I think the devil can never deceive me. I mean, I mean if uh, Kiboloi can deceive six million with his blatant announcement that he is some God, how much more do you think if Satan will employ a more subtle way of deception? Right? Not, not a, a, a very blatant kind of deception because when it says many will come in my name it simply means many will come as approved by Yahushua when it says in my name it can also mean approved or sent appointed by who Yahushua and so they will present themselves to be sent appointed by Yahushua saying I am the Christ I am the Christ it doesn't mean that's their name the word Christ is a title meaning appointed or anointed one and so there are those many will, will claim to be anointed or chosen to embody or possess the absolute authority of christ here on earth this is a more subtle way of basically taking people away from the true yahushua and bring people to them as the antichrist because the word antichrist doesn't just mean opposed to Christ. 
but it also means what? Well, the Greek, the Antichrist, is the English translation of the Koine Greek, Antichristos. It's made up of two roots, Antichristos. Anti means, take note, not only against, it, not only opposite of, but also in place of. And so when it says Antichrist, what the Antichrist will actually do is not to fight against Yahusha directly, because there will be many people who will not buy that. What will they do? They will suddenly take you through the back door by convincing you to place your devotion to other than the true Mashiach and place your devotion to this Antichrist to replace Yahushua. And 1 John 2, 8, uh, 18, Apostle John tells us about their children. This is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. So the Apostle John warns us about the Antichrist, one who will pretend uh, to really want to save you so that you will place your faith in him instead of the true Christ, the true, Yahu, the, the true Mashiach. And Apostle John mentions the Antichrist. He's going to come. He hasn't come yet, but in Matthew 24, 15, if you go back to Matthew, uh, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. What is the understanding Yahusha wants us to, to, gain, to gain hold of? It is the understanding that the Antichrist has come which is foretold in Daniel. This is why he wants us to read the book of Daniel, because it tells us about the work of the Antichrist. And so this final version, the Antichrist, not an Antichrist, but the Antichrist is what we need to be careful of, because the work of deception is going to have its climax, right? There's always deception. There's always a false Christ, a false Messiah. But it's all going to climax into this final dictator, because all antichrists are dictators. They're all dictators. One man who has power over the many. It's always the case. Okay, In every instance of a false messiah, it's one man who has power and authority over a group of people. And so this final version of the antichrist is one man, but he's going to have power over the whole world. Okay, and so that's the Antichrist, what Apostle John says, the Antichrist is coming, but he says many Antichrists have come. There are already many Antichrists. What does that mean? They come in the spirit of the Antichrist. And they're the ones who do not acknowledge Yahushua. So there are people who come in the spirit of the Antichrist, leading to the climax, the Antichrist. And so when we study history, where can we see uh, the spirit of the Antichrist at work. In Healy's Bible handbook, Leo I, called by some historians the first pope, he proclaimed himself Lord of the whole church, advocated exclusive universal papacy, said that resistance to his authority was a sure way to hell, advocated the death penalty for heresy. And so we have here a pope, and he's making the claim he's the Lord of the whole church. What does that mean? He makes the decision for the whole church. Everything he says 
is official. Anyone who goes against him, they're going to go where? They're going to go to hell. And so he preaches that he is the Lord, the head of the church. And we know this is the papacy of the Catholic Church. And when it comes to the Catholic Church, according to manual of Christian doctrine, what is the Catholic Church? Catholic Church is the society of all those who, being baptized, profess faith of Christ. Take note, they're not against Christ. They profess faith, right, of Christ. They come in the name of Christ and are governed by their lawful pastors under one visible head, the Pope. Yes, they use the name of Christ, but their devotion goes to who? The Pope, who is the visible head of the entire church. And this Pope eventually becomes known through the title Vicaris Filidi, Viker of the Son of God. And this was really um, brought into fruition by what history calls the most powerful, most influential Pope, Innocent III in 1198 to 1216. He was the most powerful of all the popes. He claimed to be Viker of Christ, Viker of God, and supreme sovereign over the church and the world. All things on earth, in heaven, and in hell are subject to the Viker of Christ. How many? How many has the papacy deceived throughout the years? Billions. Catholic Church is the largest church in the world. Are we surprised? No, we're not surprised. And when it comes to their belief is they believe whatever the Pope says, that's what God says. And this is why they believe you, whatever the Pope says, you must obey. Because if you don't obey, you're going where? You're going to hell. The Pope has the keys to heaven and hell. And many people believe that. This is why they flock to the papacy. And many people are being deceived. But you might say, well, that was before, right? That was before during the Middle Ages when nobody knew better. But now, brother, we live in the 21st century. Many people know better. The Bible's available in all languages. And so the Pope cannot control what you can read now, right? But be careful. Because the devil is very cunning. And so what is an even more clever way to get people to place their trust in someone else other than the Mashiach? Let's read the book of 2 Corinthians 11, 2 down to 4. I am jealous for you, just as God is. You are like a pure virgin whom I have promised in marriage to one man only, Christ himself. Want to pause there for a while? The assembly. The body of Yahushua, the followers of Yahushua, what are they likened to? What are they likened to? A chaste virgin. Engaged to who? So their one affection, their one devotion should be who? Yeah, it should be Yahushua. This is what Apostle Paul's talking about. We ought to be fully committed, fully devoted to one man and one man only. Not the apostles. Not the teachers here on earth, but who? Yahusha, right? That's what Apostle Paul says, I am jealous for you. Uh, just as God is, you are like a pure virgin whom I have promised in marriage to one man only, Christ himself. But take a look at what Apostle Paul says in verse 3. 
I am afraid that your minds will be corrupted and that you'll, you will abandon your full and pure devotion to Christ in the same way that Eve was deceived by the snake's clever lies. And so what will the devil do now that we're getting closer to the end of the age? The devil is going to use his clever lies so that even if you profess Christ, you will abandon your full and pure devotion to who? Yeah, you're going to give it to someone else. Do you see the danger in that? Because if you place your full devotion, if you place your full and pure devotion to someone else, then you have accepted a different Messiah. You have a dex accepted a different Christ. It may not be as blatant as the Catholic Church, but it's the same thing. This is why today there are those who will implicitly replace Christ. Do you know what the word implicit means? What's the difference between explicit and implicit? Explicit is obvious. Obvious. Implicit is what? Not so obvious. You don't even know you're doing it. You don't even know that's what they're doing. Implicit. Okay. Some will implicitly replace Christ by claiming authority and powers meant only for who? Christ. And the thing is, when they claim authority and powers meant only for Christ, they will not even vocally and officially say that. But that's what they believe and that's what they practice. And in so doing, receive devotion and glory that belongs only to Christ. And so they're doing the same thing that the Pope did, but in a subtle way, which makes it more, more sinister, doesn't it? It makes it more dangerous, doesn't it? Right? This is why we need to identify, you know, what are the powers and the authority of Yahusha the Christ, what belongs to him and only him. And if there are those who claim such, we need to discard their beliefs. We need to reject them, okay? So what are some of the powers and authorities of Yahushua? Matthew 23, 8 to 10, 12, you must not be called teacher because you are all equal and have only one teacher. And you must not call anyone here on earth father because you have only the one father in heaven, nor should you be called leader because your one and only leader is the Messiah. Whoever makes himself great will be humble. Whoever humbles himself will be made great. So what did Yahushua teach about himself? He says he's the only leader and teacher. Does it mean there are no leaders and teachers? There are, but not in the same level as Yahushua. In what way is Yahushua the only teacher and the only leader? He's absolute in his leadership. You cannot question his leadership. He's absolute in his teaching. This is why if there is anyone who leads a church and they say that what only can be taught is what is from him or what can be done is what he says that has to be done, then they are replacing Messiah as the only leader and only teacher. What else is Yahushua? God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church and the church is his body. It has made 
full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. What else must we understand about the office, the attribute of Yahushua the Christ? He is the head over all things for the benefit of the church. But if there's one per, if there's going to be one person, because when it says head, it's one person. That's why it's head. Body has many parts, but there's only one head, right? And so when it said, when a person will claim executive leadership over the entire body, then what are they doing? They're replacing who? Yahusha, right? So there's one absolute leader over the entire church. They're replacing Yahusha. What else? Revelation 19, 16. On his robe and on his thigh was written the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What does it mean, King of, king of Kings and Lord of Lords? Whatever they say, that's official. If you're a king and you say to your servant, okay, um, Wednesday, no worship service. Oh, everyone's going to say Wednesday, no worship service. I remember one time when uh, we got expelled and we were trying, we were going to start a group worship service. We got a phone call. <laughs> said, wait a minute, that's not approved by the, <laughs> it's not approved by the executive minister. What, what, why, why does he have to approve it? If you think that way, then you're making, you're thinking he's the king, you know? And so kings are the ones who make things official. Lords are the ones who give instruction and you cannot question it. That's why, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet don't do what I tell you? So if there's a leader of a church who you cannot question, what does that mean? He is becoming what? Your Lord, right? Can you imagine a human being on earth you cannot question? You call that your Lord. Obey and never can complain. You're complaining to your king? You're complaining to your master? That's what it means. What else? Hebrews 2.17. This means that he had to become like his people in every way in order to be their faithful and merciful high priest in his service to God so that the people's sins would be forgiven. What also is the role of Yahushua? He is our high priest. Because he is our high priest, he's the one who forgives our sins. He's the one who absolves us of our iniquities. This is why if a leader of a church will accept and receive letters that say, please forgive me because I was not able to count the offering the right way. <laughs> Then you're like making him something that the Bible doesn't teach, you know. What else? Timothy 2.5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ, Yahushua. He's the mediator. Christ is the one we need to connect with so we can connect with who? God. But if there's a man or a person who will say to the congregation, pray. And what they end up praying is, please connect us to this person so that we can be connected to you. Have you heard that prayer before? <laughs> please connect us to the spirit of, so that we can be connected to you, Father. Wherever he goes, the Father follows. Apparently, the mediator between God and Mansu, Yahushua. But there will be those who is going to take on the role of a mediator. For the entire church. Well, Revelation 3, 5. This is what it says. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never 
blot out his name from the book of life. So if there's a, a, a leader of a church who is going to have the people believe that whatever he decides concerning uh, their names, then they are removed from the book of life in heaven. And so he has a registry. The registry represents the book of life in heaven. No, who is in charge of the registry? Who is it? Who's in charge of the book of life? It is Yahusha. But if anyone will come across and communicate to the people he leads that he somehow has power over the registry, that's some kind of power. But that's not the power that Yahuwah ordained for any of us who live here on earth to have. That's only for who? The true king. The true king. The true king can modify. The true king can add or subtract from the book of life. But if you're not the king, you can't do that. <laughs> this is why who is the Antichrist cleverly disguised? This person claims executive leadership over the entire church. Ed, as its sole authority for teachings, teacher, and his decisions must be swiftly acted upon by the entire church without question, his Lord. Whatever he does is deemed to be God's will. He's infallible because he's king. And all worshipers must be connected to him for worship to be accepted by God. He's a mediator. He also has the power uh, to add or subtract from the book of life. He's the king. And you know what? Is even... What is even more intriguing about this one? He doesn't make the claim that he's head. He doesn't make the claim that he's Lord, that he's infallible, that he's mediator, that he's king. But his followers believe it. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's what you call the power of deception. He never makes those claims verbally or officially. There is no official dogma that says he is the head, the Lord, he's infallible, he's mediator, he's king. There's none. But when you look at the behavior and what they preach again and again and again, that's what they believe. And so what have they done? They have placed their hope not in the true king, but in someone else. They have replaced Yahushua. We don't want to do that. This is why we have to be careful. And so we must not abandon our full and pure devotion of Christ. I think you know what I'm talking about, right? Because in this, the person that I'm speaking of, the people who follow him, they adore him. They give their devotion to him. Instead of giving their full and pure devotion to who? To Christ. Which is quite surprising. Why they even have, they call their group church according to the name of Yahushua. It's just surprising, you know? Why are they even called Church of Christ? When their devotion is not to Christ. And so we cannot fall into this kind of trap. It's a subtle form of deception, which what makes it even more dangerous. And so what do we need to do? The book of 2 Corinthians 4.4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The purpose of the gospel, which is why it is preached, is to glorify Christ, not to glorify the one preaching about Christ. There's a difference there. 
unfortunate. Many people are glorifying the preacher who preaches about Christ instead of Christ. It's not supposed to be that way. This is why after Apostle Paul said this, what did he add? Five to six. For we do not preach our selves, but Yahushua Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Yahushua's sake for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And so when we preach the gospel, we need to make sure we don't elevate ourselves. We don't preach ourselves. It's unfortunate there are people who preach about Christ. But then in the lesson, they said, this is why you should always obey the leaders. Why do you have to say that? These leaders, Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, they never preached themselves. They never did. Who did they preach? They preached Christ. He must be glorified. Our devotion must be Christ and Christ alone. This is why if we were to ask you, brothers and sisters, and this is something that we have to go back to again and again. And I know many people's feelings are going to be hurt. And this is not my intent. My intent is to preach the truth. Because there are people who believe John 6, 29, but they don't attach it to the right person. Yahushua answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Who do you believe is the fulfillment of that him who is sent, that we must believe in according to Yahushua, because this is the work of God. Who is that? You see, if your answer is not Yahushua, if you believe it's someone else, if you believe it's someone else other than Yahushua, then you have placed your trust not in the true Messiah. The true Messiah is the one referred to here, and that's Yahushua. No one else. He's the Messiah, the messenger. And so we who preach today about the word of God and about Yahushua, what must we understand? You know, when Yahushua was here on earth, there was another person preaching alongside him. His name was John the Baptist. Is he a messenger? Yeah. But you know what he said when he was preaching? And this is what we need to always adhere to before we pray together in the book of John 3, 30. You yourselves are my witnesses. You personally bear me out that I stated, I am not the Christ the anointed one, the Messiah, but I have only been sent before him in advance of him to be his appointed forerunner. His messenger is announcer. He, referring to Yahushua, must increase, but I must decrease. He must grow more prominent, but I grow less so. This is John the Baptist. And many people flock to him, but he said, I'm just a messenger. I only announce him, the true Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. He's saying, go to him, the true Messiah. Because there was a danger that people were coming to believe in the announcer of who the true Messiah is rather than the Messiah himself. That's why John the Baptist said, he must increase and he must decrease. Question, what is being promoted in your church? Are you promoting your leader? Is that what you see on every agenda? 
Is that what you hear in every worship service lesson? Who is highlighted in the teachings you receive? Is it the true Mashiach? Or is it someone else? Brethren, the deception is real. We have to break through it. And the only way to break through it is by holding on to the gospel and receiving its light. And that light leads us to the face of Christ. Not to the face of someone else. Christ must receive the glory. Not the human preacher or leader here on earth. Now those who believe that John 6.29 refers to someone else also in addition to Yahushua. Which is what makes it even more deceiving. There are those, those who believe that they will have biblical verses. And that's what we're going to test next episode of the BQA. We're going to test uh, what they teach. And we're going to look through the Holy Scriptures so that we can use the Scriptures to break through the deception. When Yahushua said, take heed, no one deceives you. He's telling us, hold on to the Word of God. Hold on to the Gospel that teaches and reveals who Yahushua is. That is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, Almighty Abba Yahuwah, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for your grace and mercy. We know there's a powerful delusion at work. Many are being deceived. We know, Father, the key is for us to be able to discern the difference between what is true, what is almost true. And so we need the spirit of truth. We beg for that, Father. May you send the power of your spirit so that as we study your holy words, we will be led to your son who will take us to you. Yahushua, our king. We don't believe in any other mediator. You are the only mediator. Forgive us if in the past we called upon the father asking that we be connected with someone else. Forgive us, forgive us, loving Mashiach. If in the past we were guilty of giving our devotion to someone else, please have mercy upon your servants. We now know the truth. Praises be unto you. And so from now on, it is only you, no one else. We will never replace you. Our loyalty, we pledge to you. Please, loving Mashiach, be with us. Strengthen us that we can be courageous to follow the truth of your gospel. Father, we believe that you have listened to our prayers. May you continue to guide us in all that we do as we prepare for our salvation. We ask everything, loving Abba, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen.